scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of John. It's the 21st chapter, verses 1 through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Then Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on some clothes for he was naked and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat dragging in the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Uh, I'm sorry, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. So um, just wanna take a look back at verses 29 and 30 of chapter 20. If you go back and look at it, it sounds like a conclusion. 
It says, we have written these, or I have written these stories down, and Jesus has done many other things that are not written in this book, but this is written so that you may know. It sounds kind of like a conclusion. And many scholars advocate that the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John was a later addition, that perhaps it had come about as a result of rumors and um, not truths about the resurrected Jesus. Maybe something about, oh, they don't know what they're talking about, they just think they saw him. Or, oh, it was a ghost, it was his spirit, but he wasn't really there in body. And so the text that we're reading today can really be broken into two really distinct areas. The first is um, the realistic Jesus, the real resurrected Jesus. I mean, they're making that point. A second point that's part of our first group is the importance of Peter. Peter in the Gospel of John in particular is lifted up as really being sort of the leader among the disciples. And then the second part of our text today is that question that Jesus asks of Peter And then he really asks of all of us, do you love me? So let's take a look at the the first section of it. In this first part, Jesus appears and he's on the shore and they see him and he tells them where to cast the net in order to catch fish. And that's not altogether unusual. You can sometimes from the shore, you can see things that you can't see from the boat. So, but they were fishing and Jesus shows up. And you know, I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes there's just a line in scripture that sort of catches my eye. And in this text, it's, I'm going fishing. That's something that my wife has heard me say lots of times, I'm going fishing. Amen. Amen. Another fisherman here. So, but, but I, I read that and, and that just sort of catches me as like really interesting. Really, to, for me anyway, it really kind of humanizes Peter. He's sitting around waiting for this resurrected Jesus to show up again and nothing much is happening. And he's like, I'm going fishing. Of course, let me point out to all you wives who have fishermen, He encountered Jesus while he was fishing, right? (laughs) So a bodily Jesus shows up, builds a fire, tells them where to catch fish, and actually prepares a meal for them and distributes it to them. So it's very clear that the author is making the point that Jesus is not some ethereal figure floating around. This is the resurrected body of Jesus the Christ. It's very clear that that's what this first part of this text is trying to do. So the primacy of Peter is, is present in that he's the one who goes to greet the Lord. He helps haul in the net. And then, of course, he has this special conversation with Jesus. Now, uh, you may have caught this 
when I read this to you, but there was a very specific number of fish in that net. 153. Not 154 or two or a whole mess of fish. It was 153. And I would love to tell you what the answer is to why 153. The truth is there's been a whole lot of scholarly blah, blah about it and no answer. So some think that it's sort of 153 is some sort of a magic holy number. Uh, others think that uh, 153 was all of the known fish species at the time. That's not the point. The, the point of this whole mess of fish in the net is that the net did not break. The net held all the fish. The word for break that is used here, the Greek word is schizo, which gives us the word schism. A break away from a church, right? And so what this text is telling us is the church is big enough to hold whomever comes. And we're not talking about the United Methodist Church. We're not talking about the Baptist Church. We're talking about Christ's holy church, universal. I am pretty sure that God is up there in heaven scratching his head, figuring out how we came to all the different denominations we have and all the arguments that we have over details. The truth is God's church is big enough and strong enough to hold whomever comes. 153 translates as a whole mess of fish, all that were there. So it's important that we recognize that the church, Christ universal, is big enough to hold the world. So our second section of this is this personal conversation that Jesus has with Peter. Now remember, Peter is the one that the night before Jesus was crucified was hanging around with some other disciples and was outed. Somebody goes, hey, aren't you with the Galileans? So it's kind of like being a bunch of Texans. They sort of stuck out by the way they talked. They said, hey, aren't you with him, with Jesus? And Peter says, no, I'm not. And somebody else goes, yeah, I think, I think you're with them. No, 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 I don't know who you're talking about. And the third time scripture says that he curses and says, no, I am not with him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said something, maybe out of fear or out of anger, that came out of your mouth and the second it came out, you wanted to grab it back, but you couldn't? It was done, it was said. Can you imagine the angst that Peter has of having denied being with Jesus and then watching him die? 
We see in this text the nature of Jesus' love for us. He understands the pain that Peter feels from having uttered those words, for having denied him. And he comes and he gathers with him and he gives him the chance to three times profess his love, to undo those words that he said. The question that he first asks, it's interesting. Peter, do you love me more than these? It's really unclear what these are. Now, Peter was fishing, so he had his Waterloo rod and his nice Shimano reel there. He had his stuff there, right? He had his, his earthly fishing possessions, his boat. So, so it could have been that Jesus was saying, hey, do you love me more than these, this stuff? Or, or perhaps he was asking, Peter, do you love me more than these, all of the other disciples? It, it's really not clear. But, but to me, the, the, the understanding of Christ's love, the understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I think it was both of those. Peter, do you love me more than your earthly possessions, your fishing stuff, and do, do you love me more than these? He's asking, Peter, am I the most important thing in your life? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And we see in Jesus' response to that, another part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not only is Jesus a priority in our life, but Jesus is going to have something for us to do. Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. So Peter has professed his love for Jesus, and Jesus has given him a task, something to do. To be a follower of Jesus means exactly that, that Jesus is the priority in my life, and I will do what he asks me to do. Now, I know it's Mother's Day, and it might feel weird to hear this, but Jesus is supposed to be number one in your life. Now, all of us, our culture tells us, no, 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 family first. That's wrong. We've got it backwards. I, I can tell you from my personal experience in my life, when my relationship with Jesus is first, when it's the priority in my life, every relationship I have is better. It feels weird. I mean, as a dad sitting here looking at my daughter. It feels weird to say, I love Jesus first. 
But that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then in verse 18, he says, you're going to stretch out your arms. He's reminding Peter that in your case, there is a price that's going to be paid for you following me. And you remember tradition is that Peter was crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be killed in the same manner in which his Lord was killed. Jesus asks us, do you love me? And we say things like, yes, Lord, but can you wait till I retire? Or, yes, Lord, I love you, but I don't think I can do that. It sounds so hard. Jesus asks, do you love me? And we say, yes, Lord, I love you, but. And then we have some, frankly, lame excuse. To be a follower of Jesus means that he is a priority in your life and that you are willing to do what he asks you to do. Our answer should be, yes, Lord, period. But, but I don't know about you, but I put a but on the end of it. Oh, yes, Lord, but I like to fish on Sundays. Yes, Lord, but what, what you're asking me to do is really scary, and it involves my whole family. No. In your life, how are you saying, yes, Lord, I love you, but? We all do it. I challenge you to just answer, yes, Lord, I love you. In today's scripture, we see the nature of Christ's love. We see a resurrected Jesus that chose to die that you might be forgiven. We, we see him sitting down with a loved one who has grief in his heart for the things that he had said before and gave Peter the opportunity to undo it. He knew what Peter's pain was, and he knows our pain. And he wants to take it away. We say, yes, Lord, I love you but I'm hurt. Let him heal you. We say, yes, Lord, I love you. But what you're asking 
it's too much. Trust him to carry you. We say, yes, Lord, I love you, but you don't know what I have done. Let him redeem you. That's why he chose to die, was to redeem each one of us. He asks us this question each and every day. Do you love me? What is your answer? Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, we gather in this place and we hear you asking the question, do you love me? And we try so hard to say, yes, yes, Lord, I love you and I will do whatever you ask. But we hold back. We don't invest fully. Perhaps we just want to keep our finances a little closer. Or perhaps we're a little too protective of our time. God, help us to have the courage to say just simply, yes, Lord, I love you, and I will do what you call me to do. Father, please take, take this desire to hold ourselves back away. Allow ourselves to give, to give ourselves fully to you that we might become the kind of disciple that's worthy of the gift of grace that you give us. Help us to be beacons of your love and your grace for all in this world to feel. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.